morning. Please join us in singing number 575. Uh, 525, I'm sorry. Yep. <laughs> Make me a blessing. <laughs> summer clothes this morning. Our call to worship is Psalm 117. O praise Yahweh, all ye nations. 
Praise him, all ye people. For his merciful kindness is great toward us, and the truth of Yahweh endures forever. Praise ye all, Yahweh. Amen. Let's continue to worship the Lord, singing number 540, Send the Light. The call comes ringing o'er the restless wave. Send the light, send the light. There are souls to rescue, there are souls to save. Send the light, send the light, send the light. The blessed gospel light, let it shine from shore to shore. Send the light, the blessed gospel light, let it shine. Macedonian call today, send the light, send the light, and a golden offering at the cross we lay, send the light, send the light, send the light, the blessed gospel light, let it shine from shore to shore, send the light, the blessed gospel light, let it shine let us pray that grace may everywhere above send the light, send the light, and a Christ-like spirit everywhere be found. Send the light, send the light, send the light, the blessed gospel light, let it shine from shore to shore. Send the light, the blessed gospel light, let it shine. Amen. Lord, we come to you, the one who spoke and said, let there be light, and there was light. And as Paul wrote in one of his letters, you alone live in unapproachable light. We thank you for the light of your son, the light that brings life to all who are in him. We are gathered here this morning to worship you, O Lord. So please help us to put aside, set aside all the things of this life and this world that may distract us and keep us from you. And please open our eyes, our ears, and our hearts to you and to your spirit. And may we leave here transformed. May you do a work in us that will be permanent and lasting so that we can be more like you created us to be in your image and proper uh, representatives and children of you, in your Son, Jesus Christ, and in the Holy Spirit. Amen.
uh, a couple of, of announcements, maybe going from the more serious. Um, most of you by now know that um, Holly Vaudier, Griff's wife, and they were co-pastors here before I arrived, uh, that she went home to be with the Lord. And uh, on the table back there, uh, there is a web address, and um, her memorial service is there, and you can watch it and listen to it, and we will put it on, on our website and in our newsletter, which will be going out this week. Uh, I will also make an announcement, which is in the bulletin. Uh, August 9th and 16th, uh, I will be on vacation, a working cleaning vacation, but once again, Peter Anderson is coming. And um, he really loves God and his word, and he has some amazing insights. He's going to be in Ecclesiastes this year. Uh, the first message from chapter 7 is a call to virtue, and then from chapter 9, uh, death comes to all. So um, I'm, I'm looking forward to hearing what he'll have to say about that. Um, for those of you who are longtime members and, and know uh, and remember uh, Bob Purchase, I just heard that uh, he does uh, have cancer. Uh, his daughter had mentioned that to, to John. So please pray for Bob. Um, I really enjoyed getting to know him before he moved out to Michigan. And then lastly, once again, um, from uh, Pastor Ian, who bought the Fung Wong. Peter brought in some boxes of produce out there. And then there's also um, some cucumbers and lettuce in the fridge. And I've been told the fridge is stocked. So if you want some good fresh produce, please help yourselves to that. And that's it. That's uh, plenty of announcements. Um, so now, Next, I think it, it behooves us when we come to God, we should always uh, confess our shortcomings and sins and be made right with him through confession and in Christ. So let's take our bulletin inserts and pray our prayer of confession together. You have asked for our hands that you might use them for your purpose. We gave them for a moment then withdrew them, for the work was hard. You asked for our mouths to speak out against injustice. We gave you a whisper that we might not be accused. You asked for our eyes to see the pain of poverty. We closed them, for we did not want to see. You asked for our lives that you might work through us. We gave a small part that we might not get too involved. Lord, forgive all our calculated efforts to serve you only when it is convenient to do so, only in those places where it is safe to do so, and only with those who make it easy to do so. Father, Forgive us, renew us, send us out as a usable instrument that we might take seriously the meaning of your cross. Amen. You know, as I read this, I think it's been a couple months since we prayed this prayer of confession. 
And I couldn't help but thinking something I've heard for decades now as a Christian, that the most segregated hour in the United States is the hour of worship. There are so few genuinely multicultural churches, and it's all throughout here. You know, human beings being sinners as we are, justice has always been a problem. It was true in the Mediterranean world in the days of Christ and Paul in the church. And human nature has not gotten any better in the last two millenniums. So this is a very appropriate confession for us right now. And especially if we know Christ and have the Holy Spirit. It's not just enough to say, isn't that too bad? We should be asking God, what can we do to bring about justice, reconciliation, love among all people as God ordains for us. But let us never forget what John put in his first epistle when he was in his 80s. If we confess our sins, he is faithful and just to forgive us of our sins and to cleanse us from all unrighteousness. If we have genuinely confessed with good hearts, God will forgive us and will change us and restore us. Okay, now let's sing uh, a couple of, of great songs. One's about what faith is all about, trust to obey, and the other, again, is sharing Christ with the world. And so we've got Macedonia in two of our hymns. And just a, a quick little um, Bible history. Um, everything was in the Middle East and Asia in what is present-day Turkey, and Paul wanted to continue on there, but one night he had a vision of a man in Macedonia, which was northern Greece and Europe. And in that vision, the man said, come and help us. And Paul and his companions prayed about it. And if it wasn't for that, we wouldn't know Christ, because that's how the gospel got to Europe. And most of us are of European descent. So that's the Macedonian call. That's what we're singing about. Okay, 469 first. Not a grief nor a loss, 
Not a frown or a cross, but is blessed if we trust and obey. Trust and obey, for there's no other way to be happy in Jesus, but to trust and obey. But we never can prove the delights of His love until all on the altar we lay for the favor He shows and the joy He bestows are for them who will trust and obey. Trust and obey for there's no other way to be happy in Jesus but to trust and obey. Then in fellowship sweet we will sit at His feet or we'll walk by His side in the way. What He says we will do, where He sends we will go. Never fear, only trust and obey. Trust and obey, for there's no other way to be happy in Jesus but to trust and obey. of a dying world is fast before our eyes. We feel the heartbeat of its need. We hear its feeble cries. Lord Jesus Christ, revive thy church in this her crucial hour. Lord Jesus Christ, awake thy church with spirit-given power. The savage hugs his god of stone and fierce descent of night. The city dweller cringes lone amid the garish light. Lord Jesus Christ, arouse thy church to see their mute distress. Lord Jesus Christ, equip thy church with love and tenderness. Today, as understanding's bounds are stretched on every hand, Oh, clothe thy word in bright new sounds and speed it o'er the land. Lord Jesus Christ, empower us to preach by every means. Lord Jesus Christ, embolden us in near and distant scenes. The Warning bells of judgment tolls above us looms across. Around our ever dying souls, how great, how great the loss! O oh Lord, come 
church the glad news to impart. And Lord, as Thou dost stir Thy church, begin within my heart. Amen. And you may be seated for the reading of God's Word. This morning's scripture reading is Philippians 2, verses 19 to 24. But I hope in the Lord Jesus to send Timothy to you shortly, so that I also may be encouraged when I learn of your condition. For I have no one else of kindred spirit who will genuinely be concerned for your welfare, though they all seek after their own interest, not those of Christ Jesus. But you know of his proven worth that he served with me in the furtherance of the gospel like a child serving his father. Therefore, I hope to send him immediately as soon as I see how things go with me. And I trust in the Lord that I myself also shall be coming shortly. Amen. And now uh, you can remain seated, but if you would all take your songbooks and turn to the back where we have a lot of readings. And together we will recite the Nicene Creed, which is uh, number 626. So I'll give you a minute to get there. And wow, this is so scripture packed. We believe in one God, the Father, the Almighty, maker of heaven and earth, of all that is seen and unseen. We believe in one Lord, Jesus Christ, the only Son of God, eternally begotten of the Father, God from God, light from light, true God from true God, begotten, not made of one being with the Father. Through him all things were made. For us and for our salvation, he came down from heaven. By the power of the Holy Spirit, he became incarnate from the Virgin Mary and was made man. For our sake, he was crucified under Pontius Pilate, He suffered death and was buried. On the third day, he rose again in accordance with the scriptures. He ascended into heaven and is seated at the right hand of the Father. He will come again in glory to judge the living and the dead, and his kingdom will have no end. We believe in the Holy Spirit, the Lord, the giver of life, who proceeds from the Father and the Son. With the Father and the Son, he is worshipped and glorified. He has spoken through the prophets. We believe in one holy, Catholic, and apostolic church. We acknowledge one baptism for the forgiveness of sins, and we look for the resurrection of the dead and the life of the world to come. Amen. Which in Hebrew means it is true. Okay. Well, now uh, let's go to the Lord together 
in prayer. Heavenly Father, as we gather in your presence this morning, we are grateful that through your Son, the Savior King, that you had spoken about in your word, we may receive adoption into your family and into your kingdom. Now, we have no right of any of this, no reasonable expectation, but we gladly receive your gracious gift of love and pray that you will make us worthy of you and give us the grace to stay surrendered, to, do, uh, to let you do, you do your work of love in us, the work that you are doing, even when it may hurt and even when we might not understand and sometimes we don't. Please open our eyes, ears, and hearts to you and free us from ourselves and the world of selfishness that we live in. Make us like your son as he lived among us and as he lived as one of us. Lord, every one of us is capable of doing some kind of self-centered evil. And together, the evil that we do can be multiplied many times over. And every culture, every culture has the seeds of injustice in it. One word for this is xenophobia, the fear of strangers, the fear of people who are not like us. But in the final vision of your word, John the Apostle saw people of every ethnic group, of every language around your throne, in praising you, in giving you glory. Therefore, we humbly ask and petition all of us who have the Holy Spirit that has made our spirits alive in the Savior King, may we begin to live now as we will live when the time has come, has fully come, and you visibly return to reign as King of kings and Lord of lords. Please give us a zeal to know you more. And then as we know you more, to share what we know of you with all people, uh, all the people that you bring into our lives. And may we be Timothys, Timothys with Paul. So we start by praying for our towns, our state, and our country. Um, you know all about this biological viral pandemic. We've heard a lot recently about technical viruses, but this is a virus that attacks our very bodies. Please give us both the faith and the wisdom to address it and to live with it in a way that pleases you. And we pray for every aspect of our postmodern Western society. We pray for our government, for businesses, for finance, 
education and research, medicine, law, media, entertainment, people in the service industries, people in the protection uh, field. And we also pray, Father God, for the peoples on earth that are living in poverty and they do not have the infrastructures that we take for granted in this country. And Father, we pray for our our church family. And Father, we pray that your word would have an effect upon us. Lord, please help us to hear you. Lord, please guide me in the way I um, address it, speak of it, interpret it. Um, And Lord, um, my applications might not be that good, but... I pray that uh, you would apply it to our hearts and that you would give me words that you would use so that we will have it applied to our heart and we will cooperate with you. And now just so grateful that Jesus gave us a model prayer because we really don't know how to pray. We pray this prayer given to us by our Savior with one heart and one voice, praying, Our Father, who art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Thy kingdom come, thy will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread and forgive us our debts as we forgive our debtors. And lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. For thine is the kingdom and the power, and the glory forever. Amen. Amen. And now, uh, before we go to God's word, let's get our hearts in the right place by singing number 408, I Surrender All. I surrender all. 
Jesus, I surrender. Make me Savior, holy thine. May thy Holy Spirit fill me. May I know thy power divine. Amen. You may be seated. I think one of the best things about the Bible is all the different people that we meet in it. And I mean real people. Just in the last few years, we have met Hezekiah's evil son, Manasseh who for 55 years did that which was evil in the sight of God. But generations before him, there was another king in Judah in the line of David named Jehoram. And he married a daughter of Ahab by the name of Athaliah. And when her son died in office, she was still alive and she proceeded to kill all of her grandchildren, all of her grandsons in an effort to wipe out the royal line of David. And God had spoken a word of promise about this royal line of David. But God is always in control and her stepdaughter snuck away the little baby uh, Joash, who means Yahweh has filled with fire and then eight years later, he became king, and this woman was deposed and met her justified end. But speaking of David, um, here is a man after God's heart. And I will confess, in my uh, yearly read through the Bible calendar, I read Acts 13 this morning. 
And it talked about David being a man after God's heart. And when I looked at the sermon notes, I said, that's not Acts 23, it's Acts 13. So fix that. But he had a man, he was a man with a heart after God's own heart. He composed almost half of the worship psalms that God's people, Israel and Judah, would sing in the temple. And yet, yet he was capable of adultery with the wife of one of his most loyal foot soldiers. And then he had his nephew, General Joab, expose this man, Uriah, which was his conversion name. He was a Hittite and not a Jew. But when he came to faith, perhaps even by David's own witness, he chose a name meaning Yahweh is my light. He was exposed in battle so that he died so David could possess his wife. How could a man after God's heart, a man like David, ever break two of the ten big words of instruction that God gave to his people? And these weren't to be a straitjacket. He was saying, if you can live this way, you will enjoy my blessings, you will enjoy my My love, you will have an amazing life. This is for your benefit. And he broke two of the ten in no time flat. Now, what we actually find is that most of the people we meet in the Bible, literally all of them, are some mixture of good and evil. And sometimes the evil can get so bad that we get very cynical about human nature. We can do it looking around in this world or the people that we meet in the Bible. It makes no difference. But this can be a good thing if it drives us to the cross of the Savior in repentance so that we cry out for forgiveness of our failure to always do all the things that God has commanded us to do for our own benefit. We just need help. We need help. And if we do this, if we confess, we can't always be good the way God wants us to do, we will be restored in Christ as God's proper children. So with this as background, we're ready. We have now spent seven weeks in this letter that the Apostle Paul wrote to a church which he and Silas founded on their missionary journey after they had answered the Macedonian call. Philippi was in Macedonia. And last week, we saw Paul's heart concern that the Christians in that city would continue to grow in their partnership with him to bring the good news of what Jesus did for all people to the people in their very own region. But first they must become all that they can be in Jesus through fear and trembling. And I know when I preached this last week, I didn't feel I did justice to fear and trembling. Once again, just be reading through the Bible with a calendar. This week I was in Mark 5.23 where the woman who had had the bleeding for so many years, she had enough faith that if she just touched Jesus, she could be healed. And remember, Jesus didn't really see 
And he said, who touched me? He probably knew. But it said she came to him in fear and trembling. Well, this equates fear and trembling with faith. I bet you never thought of fear and trembling of God to be faith. But if our faith is in a God who's just like us, that we don't fear, reverence, respect, and tremble in awe before, our object of faith is worthless. So it's a sign that we have faith in who God is when we come to him with fear and trembling because of how awesome and wonderful he is. So they need to work out this gift of salvation they received in faithful fear and trembling. And then uh, if they uh, do that, then they will experience God's blessing. So we're learning that Paul is a man in the Bible that can be a good role model. Now, he was very specific about all the ways he had fallen short of what God wanted in his past life, and he never claimed to be perfect now. But he is a good role model. And then this week, as I studied this paragraph, I was very pleasantly surprised to find that Paul's son in the faith, Timothy, he also is a good role model. So with this as a background, let's look into this brief paragraph. And what it is, is it's a word of commendation for Timothy. Paul is going to send Timothy, and even though they already know him, he's reminding them of Timothy's character in Christ. So in the first part, Paul starts out and he says, I hope in the Lord to send the like soul Timothy to you all so that I may be encouraged after learning of the things concerning you. So um, he's hoping to send Timothy to Philippi. When he learns about their situation, he's hoping to be encouraged, and he says, only Timothy has a genuine concern for you as I do. So let's go through it sentence by sentence. First words, but I am hoping in the Lord Jesus to send Timothy to you all soon. In the Lord Jesus, let us never miss this. Let us never get used to it. Let us never forget it. Um, The only source of hope in this life, in this world, is Jesus, the one who is the Lord of all creation because he created it. And Paul knows that the only way to have an abundant and meaningful life is to always live in him, in him always aware of his presence in his life and his power in his life. See, that's, that's the real blessing, right? I mean, I know, I've lived long enough to know I don't have much power, I don't have much ability. But I've also, over the years, gotten to know God well enough to know that he can do things in me I could never do myself. And that's where faith comes in, and that's where sometimes we just step out, even when we know we're inadequate. Now, in actuality, Epaphroditus, whom we will meet next week, he will hand deliver this letter, so he will get to Philippi first. 
And then when word bounces back to uh, Paul, he'll be sending Timothy. Timothy's coming second. But Timothy is mentioned first because he's so like Paul, as we've already heard. So he says, so that I also may be encouraged, having learned of the things concerning you. Now this word, um, encouragement, it's good comfort in the King James Bible. It's cheered in the Revised Standard and encouraged. And literally it's yusuke, which means a good soul. My whole soul will become good when I hear this good news about you. And then he uses this word, this one word, the English phrase, the things, plural. I want to learn about the things concerning you. And it's five times in this paragraph, variously translated state by the King James Version, which I think means your status. And it's also translated condition, welfare, and interest by the New American Standard. One word and phrase, all three. In the more current lingo of our day, we would call it your life situation. Or I had a friend when I was in high school, he would say, what's your sit? What's your situation? That's what he means by the things. And he says, because I have no one like-minded in the King James Bible or of kindred spirit as we heard in the New American Standard Version. Literally, the word means like soul. So there's that Greek word again, soul, suke. We get psychology out of it. This involves the heart, the mind, and the will. And Paul considered his spiritual son, Timothy, to be the only one as fully committed and surrendered to Jesus Christ and spreading his gospel as he, Paul, was. So this protege that he had been building up has become like Paul so that Paul trusts him fully. And he says he, Timothy, will have genuine concern for the things of Yah. Now this adverb genuine describes the character of Timothy, which again is Paul's own character, their character in Christ. You see, they're both being shaped by Christ to be like Christ, and they recognize that in each other. So Timothy has Paul's same soul, of doing and saying everything for the sake of Jesus Christ, the Savior, King. Um, And here is a truth that's universal. Someone who gives every aspect of his life to God in the Lord Jesus will also have God's concern for other people enough to even suffer and take up his cross. You see, all who seek God in everything also are given the deep love that God has for all of his children. So the lesson that I get out of what we learn of Timothy here, and I think it's what God wants us to know, those who are seeking the Lord are also concerned about the Lord's brothers. 
We're concerned about our brothers and sisters in Christ and other people. And now we get something that seems to come out of left field. After all this positive stuff about Timothy, about to go to Macedonia while Paul is in Rome, but they are all seeking the things of themselves, not of Christ Jesus. What does he mean by this? He says, they seek the things of themselves. He's introducing people who, unlike Paul and Timothy, they're self-seeking people. Okay? Um, and in contrast to brothers and sisters in Christ and those who are in the church, they're only concerned about me and my interests and possessions. And then if you resupply the verbs, literally what he's saying is they are not, not seeking the things of Christ Jesus. They are so focused on themselves, they have no place for God or his Messiah or anything concerning God and his ways and his word. So in light of this, and I think this is put here to wake us all up, may we all pray that God would convict us by the Holy Spirit of any area in our own lives that is self-seeking so that we may repent and seek God to be forgiven and changed. Now, who are they? And the different commentaries have different opinions, but most likely the they Paul is talking about are these, I put air quotes on it, these brothers in Rome that were mentioned back in chapter 1 where he said, some to be sure are preaching Christ even from envy and strife out of selfish ambition rather than pure motives, thinking to cause me distress in my imprisonment. So Paul has already identified these people who preach Christ, yes, but in a self-seeking way, not for the sake of Christ, not for the sake of others, but for their own sake. So now as we come to the end of this first part of the commendation of Timothy, we have Paul and Timothy and Jesus Christ. Since Paul and Timothy are both serving Christ with their entire life, okay, Paul's desire is to hear that his brothers in Philippi love God with everything that's in them, according to the greatest commandment, going all the way back to Deuteronomy, with the result that they will show God's love to their neighbors, the second great commandment in Leviticus. And up to now, this letter that Paul is writing, it described how he seeks Christ's interest according to the gospel. And therefore, they too, the members of this church, must be seeking God as they're working out among themselves, ask the church of God and Jesus Christ how they will share this salvation that they have received with other people. In other words, all people who are genuinely seeking God will have a concern for his brothers, for his children. We can be brothers and sisters in Christ. And so he continues on and he says, now they all know, they know 
that Timothy is proven. He has a proven character. He's God's spiritual son, and he's serving the gospel. So Paul is hoping to send him soon. He says, and you're knowing that as a child to me, he is served in the gospel. And so this one, this very one Timothy, I hope to send as soon as I may look away. Let's pick this apart. He says, but you all are knowing the proof of his character. Now, Paul uses a word here that's translated many times as proven character. He, he's the only scripture writer that uses it, and he uses it seven times. It's unique to Paul. I think the best example of it is when he was writing to the churches in Rome. And in chapter 5, he said that this proven character is the fruit of tribulation, which ultimately produces hope. So he says, because we are in Christ Jesus, we can exalt in our tribulations, knowing tribulation brings about, and then he ends with proving character, and proving character brings hope. Again, hope is in Christ. And as God uses tribulation to build the Christ-like character in us, we ultimately have hope. And he says, with this well-known, proven character, Timothy as well as Paul, this is an interpretation, okay? They are role models to the people, the Christians in Philippi, of the attitudes and actions that God expects of all of his children, and again, with this in mind, I dare to venture an application. May we all go and reread Paul's two letters to Timothy. I didn't have time this week, but after studying this passage, I hope to do it maybe on my vacation. That as a child to father with me, he served into the gospel. This is so rich, we have to stop and take a few minutes and think about it. In his last known letter, 2 Timothy, Paul urged Timothy to persist in his Christ-like behavior. He says, you, however, continue in the things you have learned and become convinced of knowing from whom you have learned them, namely his mother, his grandmother, and his spiritual father, Paul. Now, I did a word search, a, a computer word search, and Paul uses the noun gospel nine times in this very short letter. There's no other letter that has gospel in it as much. And I think in the primary commentary, Gordon Fee, I think I'm learning something new about this letter. I had first been taught it's all about how to have joy in the Lord. Then when I studied it in seminary, I began to realize that it's also about unity because there's no way for us to have joy in the Lord without being united to the Lord in faith and united with one another as diverse as we are. And now I'm all of a sudden realizing that for this to happen, the gospel is absolutely essential. The real theme of this book is the gospel, the good news about Jesus Christ. So let me just run through, and we haven't gotten to some of these occurrences yet, but of his nine uses, and remember, 
Paul's call and his passion was to bring the gospel to all of the Roman Empire. Okay, so he writes about these nine aspects. Fellowship in and partnership in the gospel. Confirmation of the gospel and co-laboring in the gospel. Furthering of the gospel and serving in the gospel. Defense of and contending for the faith of the gospel. And right in the middle of it all is may we be found worthy of this gospel, of this good news. So what is the gospel? Well, first of all, we must understand that God expects every person to obey by faith all that he has commanded in the Torah, in the prophets, in the writings, in the gospels, and in the New Testament. But no one has ever been able to accomplish this obedience of faith, nor is anyone even capable of such an accomplishment in his or her own strength. And the penalty for falling short of this perfect, faithful obedience is death. But the good news, the good message, euangelion, angel means messenger, good message, is that Jesus, the Savior, died in the place of all people who can receive this gracious gift of God. So how do we receive this gracious gift of God? His gift of forgiveness and righteousness and restoration in Jesus Christ. To do this, first of all, we must honestly admit to God our failure and our need. And then we need to turn away from ourselves and our ways, like these selfish people in verse 21 we just heard of this morning. And we need to ask to be forgiven with humble, dependent, childlike, surrendered faith in the Lord Jesus. And then after that, we must be willing to let Jesus control our lives. That's something that human beings have trouble doing. I had a cousin in grade school who was always saying, you're not the boss of me. Well, guess what? We all need a boss, and we have a great one in the Lord Jesus Christ. And he taught us to pray, thy will be done, not my will be done. He even prayed that before going to the cross for us. And now all people who can do this will have their dead spirits brought to life, being complete three-part people, body, soul, and now a living spirit. And also the Holy Spirit will come into their lives to work with their newly born spirit. And this is something I've experienced, and I hope everybody has experienced it. My first three years as a Christian, it was like, wow, my mouth was always dropping open. We can then both understand and obey all he has written in the Bible. I used to read things and say, oh God, I never knew that was an offense to you. I've been doing that. Please forgive me. Please change me. Please help me to live pleasing to you. And I'm not there yet, but little by little, he can bring us along by the help of the Holy Spirit. 
we can understand and we can do his will, all he has written. And then as we are growing in Christ, this is also part of the gospel and the good news. We must share him with others. And I think especially the children in our lives, whether they be our own children or nieces and nephews or children in the neighborhood or children and youth in our church. And I think just given the fact that Timothy was 30 years younger than Paul and was his son in the faith, we learn that the gospel advances when generations serve the Lord together as one, not conflicting with each other. And now he comes back to the beginning as he's nearing the end. Therefore, indeed, I am hoping to send this one. So he started the passage describing Timothy and his desire to send him, and he has the same hope at the end. And what is his hope? That he will receive encouragement concerning their progress in the things of the gospel. And here are the things again. But now Paul's also talking about his own things. And what is his... Oh, I got a little ahead of myself. Okay. And then he says to conclude um, the next to last verse, I will send him as soon as I may look away from the things concerning me. And it will be soon. Okay, so right now, as I said, he's currently chained to Roman soldiers in a room in a house that he's renting. But he fully has hope in Christ that he um, has more work for Paul to do. And scripture, to some extent, and church tradition tells us that Paul was indeed released he did serve Christ further as a church planter, maybe going all the way as far as Spain for another seven years. And then he concludes this paragraph on Timothy, but I trust in the Lord that also I myself will come soon. And the word here is not the usual word for faith. It's a persuaded faith. In other words, God, by his spirit and by his word, has fully persuaded Paul of this truth, and he knows that his labor is not in vain for his service of the gospel of the Savior. We saw that last week in verse 17. And again, it is in the Lord, because Paul lives his whole life in the Lord Jesus it has been revealed to him, and he has every expectation of seeing them soon. Not right away, because he's still a prisoner. So let's get to the bottom line, and let's summarize the letter to this point. Paul knows that, first of all, the Savior King calls all people to humility like his. We saw this earlier in chapter 2. This was a pretty good church, but he said, you all have room to grow and you need to all learn how to respect others above yourself and in humility become one, have the same humility of Christ Jesus who being fully God 
agree to become a human being like one of us and go through all he did for the sake of us. That's in the verses preceding this. And then all who have surrendered to him, that's why we sang, I surrender all, will then take up their cross and obey him by faith. And finally, this faithful relationship, okay, to the Lord will inspire them to genuine concern for one another. You know, don't don't try to persuade people in our own strength to care about other people. God does this. He does it by the Holy Spirit and in Christ. And those who will be seeking the word will indeed be genuinely concerned with his brothers. The only way we care for each other is to have a relationship with God that is right, and then his love for others becomes our love for others. So Paul is hoping in the Lord Jesus to send Timothy to Philippi so that he, Paul, may be encouraged after learning what is happening to them concerning them in their progress in the gospel, the good news about Jesus and what they have received. And he reminds them, Timothy has a soul just like mine when it comes to serving this gospel, this gospel of the Lord Jesus Christ, and of being genuinely concerned about the life situation of all of you, all of his brothers and sisters in Christ. So when we are seeking the Lord, when we are in the Lord, we're also concerned about his brothers and sisters who are our brothers and sisters. That's what we learn from Paul and Timothy as real-life people from God's word this morning. And I think uh, I I chose this for the last song. Uh, Debbie sang it in a Christmas cantata early in our marriage. Now take your bulletin inserts because it has the verses. And uh, I think we all need to just let this song speak to us. People need the Lord.
definitely been a theme to our worship this morning and a call that God has on all of our lives. I'm going to close with um, the words from the next to last chapter of a letter that Paul wrote to Timothy many years later awaiting execution. But you followed my teaching, conduct, purpose, faith, Patience, love, perseverance, persecutions, and sufferings, such as happened to me at Antioch, at Iconium, and at Lystra. What persecutions I endured, and out of them all the Lord delivered me. And indeed, all who desire to live godly in Christ Jesus will be persecuted." But evil men and impostors will proceed to the worse, deceiving and being deceived. You, however, continue in the things you have learned and become convinced of knowing from whom you have learned and that from childhood you have known the sacred writings which are able to give you the wisdom that leads to salvation through faith, which is in Christ Jesus. And this is why a local church is so important. What Paul is saying here is you didn't learn this from some media superstar. You learned this from someone who had a relationship with you and took you under his wing as a father to a child. You know who I am. You know the kind of life I've lived. I've lived a life 
that supports the words that I've told you. They weren't just empty words, and therefore now you imitate me as I imitate Christ. Amen. Thank you.